0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: What up, what up? XL Scratch Mechanics. You tuned in, locked and loaded, the Rebel Radio. Turn it up. You might learn something. Man, fuck you, Josh. What's up, this is Rebel Radio. What up, what up, this is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy, it's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We are in the place right here. Rebel Radio is going down. Would
2: you say, Rebel Radio?
1: Oh, wait, let's do it again. Rebel Radio.
2: What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. It's also the only show featuring new music every week from EDM.com. That's coming up soon. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest this week is DJ XL. He's a Philly native, uh, but this dude is super versatile. He plays hip hop, he tours, uh, opening for folks like U2, Imagine Dragons, Katy Perry. He produces house music under the name Alpha Pear. He's part of the Scratch Mechanics crew out of Philly. If you're familiar with the Philly hip-hop scene, uh, you probably know Scratch Mechanics. And he's got some great stories for us. Uh, He he digs into the hard part about being a DJ. You know, I know we think of DJing as a pretty good life and, and I think he would agree with that. But there's a lot of work that goes in that most people aren't really paying attention to. So we talk about that. We also talk about why it's a good idea not to have a safety net and how that's helped him in his life. Uh, We're going to get into it right after our EDM.com track of the week. get it, talking about your tattoos,
1: i let me hit it, I ain't tryna be roulated, get up and go, you be who I need, you my rock, let me roll, okay, you could rock downtown in a Bentley, can't with your friends think, or you can let a player hit it one time, let a motherfucker send a peek and see the sunshine, alright, keep quiet, let me finish, even though your cute lip line on the dental, let a player get her up, sit tight in the rental, and I ain't about the bull, hit gas, push pedal, word up get a pussy right. murder
2: no you ain't leaving this night serve no rules let me see the tattoo. yo that was the edm.com track of the week that's donnie parker with a track called tattoo lady if you like that one get over to edm.com and check out more new music also uh spoiler alert we have the ceo of edm.com coming up as a guest on the show in the next few weeks Ethan was uh, in L.A. And, and was kind enough to spill his guts for me, so we're going to share that with you uh, a little bit down the road. Watch for that one. And, of course, let's get into it right now with my man DJ XL. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, we, we think of, especially, like, that 90s hip-hop, like, classic. Oh, like, yeah, like, we... we you know, I think we, maybe I'm just, it's my old school thinking, but like we think of a certain type of person.
1: I think, you know, I think because at one time it was a certain kind of person, right? Yeah. Like, you know, when we were, when, when we were younger, I mean, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 46. That? So I'm 38, but yeah. I grew up in hip hop very young. So mm-hmm. all my teen years and, mm-hmm. all, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think 90s hip hop back then it was one kind of person right and at that point too like hip-hop wasn't that widespread so there wasn't many versions of it for sure and styles it was like you know the hip-hop that we consider 90s or whatever was on the radio right that was just hip-hop yeah you know what i mean so of course you think of like carhartt tims that kind of dude Mm. not like Rock climber, right. Merrill shoes. Exactly. You know, like NYU. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's Because yeah. these dudes know just as much oh, I'm sure. stretch and bob freestyles, like stuff like that as
2: yeah. the other dude would know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I think that's happened over time that just yeah. like different people have found their way.
1: Well, I think the other thing that's funny too is that, you know, there's so much you know, like older hip hop head versus younger hip hop head, yeah. And what the quality of the music is now, or whatever the case is. But at the same time, like, I think people, you know, like the younger generation, they eventually grow into the older.
2: Are you saying that hip
1: hop? I, 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 yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know, just the same way. There's a disconnect with an older generation. Into the younger music because mm-hmm. it's not made for you anymore mm-hmm. is the same way that eventually those people get older and then there's a disconnect with them. Right. I mean, like I, you know, I rolled up and uh, I was listening to the Smith, the Smith and Wesson joint, and I haven't listened to it in a while. But you know, they talk about similar things just in different ways sure. of what we were, you know, what they talk about now: shooting people, drugs, and all this right. other stuff. Right. And of course, at times like, you know, when you think about it in the sense of what they're saying, they're like, yo, would these dudes really just like wanna run up and shoot somebody at a corner store? the But keep a watch for the cops, cause they rock clocks. It's no different than really what's being said now. It's just that back then, I don't know, it seemed more fictional. Right. You know what I mean? Where now it's like, it's more reality, mm. even though people were still getting killed then and all this other stuff. Sure. We, we were younger, so we weren't looking at it from that sense. And then we relate to it a little bit more because it's presented in a way that we related to when we were younger versus yeah. like trapped out sounds, right, right. you know, yeah. mumbles and stuff like that. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something I've noticed that, like, that I only notice it when there's younger people in the room that mm-hmm. that music, not all of it, some of it's timeless. Yeah. But some of it sounds really dated. Yeah. And, like, even stuff that we thought was, like, great production at the time just feels really thin and really, like, yeah. you know, but it's meaningful to us because of the of the emotional value, right?
1: Well, I also think about, you know, my parents Mm. and they were upset with what i wanted to listen to back then is that right compared to what the kids have to listen to now if i was a parent and what my kid would want to listen to like they couldn't relate to it then you know and i even remember being younger and not i found the 80s stuff really cheesy like the early 80s yes like i couldn't appreciate early 80s Hip-hop, the, uh, you know, hey, baby, bubba, you know right. what I mean? Like, that whole sure. era, like, that early yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah, And then, I don't know, I just hit this, I hit this turning point where I was like, yo, this shit is dope. Like,
2: these dudes were doing this shit off of nothing. They had nothing to go off of. I mean, I had, it's funny, I had that last week I was listening on Shuffle and, like, Jazzy J came up. Yeah. And I was, and first I was like, oh, man, I, like, this is not good. But <laughs> But then I was like, okay, but let's remember, like, what he had. To work with right. not only like the equipment but also just as a reference point yeah you know you're you're creating this
1: there's just genre. a different appreciation now i think that i'm older looking back for sure and then of course you have to connect all the dots that if one of the if all those things didn't happen we wouldn't yeah. be here yeah. so all that being said to wrap it up is like you know as much as people complain about what it sounds like and what it is now. Yeah. The content is very similar to what it was then. It's yeah. just gibberish for the most, most part. Sure. And some people find a way to make it make sense and some people don't. And right. it's still street culture. It's just, you know, the culture has evolved so many different levels that now we're here. Yeah. And for me, you know, this whole discussion is, is mainly because I still have to walk in both, both worlds. I still sure. have to be r- like rel, um, r- Relevant with a young generation, mm-hmm. and be able to enjoy the music as well. As much as still, there's a part of me that like wants to listen to like Smith and Wesson, muddy, boom-bat rap right. music, and I can still listen to both. It's right. just that you know, if I have to choose one, yeah, when I'm in my car, yeah, it's probably sure. not going to be one of the current things that Fair I enough. have to play in the club. Yeah, yeah. well, let's talk about that, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, sure. you.
2: I appreciate you being here, making nah, time. Nah, man, those. I'm so stoked to be be here. I'm glad I got up in time too. <laughs> Yeah, I know, it's, I know these are early hours for DJs.
1: I mean, I, I I dig it. Like, I like, you know, I'm originally from Philly, so the hours would run a little bit later. Right. And I remember, you know, being in my 20s, and especially in, like, wintertime, you would just stay up all night and then sleep all day. You would yeah. never see the sun. For sure. And I moved out here in 2009, and I saw the nightlife was very early yeah. and that everything kind of closed. And I kind of dug it to the point that I can get up the next day and have this discussion with you and not like be slumped over the table or, you know, you know. So I like that because I I feel like I get more done in the day. And I think it's more, I mean, from my perspective, it's more important to be awake and around in the daytime than it is for when I get to the club. Just a late coffee or something, I can struggle through the club if I need to, you know. But those, like, 5, 6 a.m. nights, it's not,
2: yeah. That's rough.
1: I guess it's just the old That's old rough. old man in
2: me now. You so know? I want to talk about how it all kind of started for you. Yeah. Um, what would, Do you remember getting into music at, Absolutely. at the beginning? Like, yeah. what was the first record you bought?
1: The first record that got me to where I am, of course, and I've told this story before, is Rob Bass' It Takes Two. I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to write the microphone because I get stupid. I mean, outrageous. Stay away from me. it's contagious, because I'm the winner. Don't not lose up to being MC. Is why I choose. Ladies, dumbly girls adore me. I mean, even the ones who never saw me like
2: the way that I'm at a soul. We were living in
1: South Philly at the time. Mm-hmm. I was in grade grade school and uh fifth or sixth grade or something. Mm-hmm. Probably even. Maybe fourth or fifth grade girl that I went to school with was having a birthday party, and they needed someone to be the DJ. And they had this Rob Bass cassette, and they had the new edition vinyl. It was mm-hmm. just like one of those home stereo systems that was all in one. Yeah. And I played Rob Bass for the first time, and it starts with that like keyboard. In, in 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 intro and jumps into the song and I was yeah. it just hit me, and that's all I wanted to play the entire party, so I would like rewind the tape, play it over again, rewind right. the tape, play it over, just put the record on to get to the beginning and then start it back over again. It was awful from the perspective of being a good disc jockey, but maybe it's I, I left that party and I was just like I need this. I don't I, I, you have to take me to get this, and I took my you know my parents and I went to, to get, get that there. record. Yeah, yeah, and I DJing wasn't even. A thing for me I still didn't even know what it was at the time more than maybe just like seeing Jam Master J or somebody like scratch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's really what got me the sound of scratching of like manipulating a record back and forth so any records my parents had in the house I would just mess with on this turntable we had this wood Uh console system which I'm sure they weren't stoked about but even I was, uh, you know, I was talking to one of my friends. I don't know if you remember, but those little toys that we all had, where you would spin the thing and it would play a sound,
2: oh, like yeah, it was yeah. like farm
1: animals. Yeah, yeah. you can scratch on those. Yeah. So that somehow I figured that out, where you can just move it back and forth, and the sound would move back and forth. Right. So just all that, and I, I, all those little things just kept like building and building and building until eventually. Uh, I met some friends when we moved to a different part of town, and the idea of, uh, of pursuing this a little bit further became an actual thing. So, you know, we, we back then, and I've heard this story a few times, is like you would just ask around, and someone's older brother would have yeah. a turntable in their closet. Not right. really something that happens anymore, but, you know, you would be able to kind of like gather equipment. Wasn't the best equipment, but it right. was enough for you Something to get to going. Get started, yeah. So we did that, and you know, put our little allowance money together mm-hmm. or whatever, and we go grab our records and take the train down downtown, and we would just sit in the basement and just scratch or screw around with records or practice mixing, or you know, with really nothing to go off of, just teaching yourself mm-hmm. or what you heard on the radio or what you maybe saw, mm-hmm. uh, but.
2: I mean, at this time, like, did you 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 knew about Jeff and mm-hmm. Victor to play? And you know,
1: like, well, no, I didn't Philly know. Cats. I didn't know about Victor. Okay. I mean, like, I didn't I didn't really get familiar with Victor till later on in life because at this point I'm only 11. Right. You know what I mean? So okay. now we're in '91. So Jazzy Jeff, very familiar. Live at Union Square, I think, is probably a, a a a great example of what a lot of people from my generation went off of because right. it was on the actual record. You can listen to yeah. it. It was mind-blowing to listen to and then trying to mimic what was going on. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Philly guys just had to go off of the radio. Right. And luckily for us, there were some really good guys that were on the radio at that time. Yeah. Uh, this dude named Ran was on Power. Jay Ski was on Q. And just recording those guys and trying to duplicate what you're hearing them do with different records. Mm-hmm. Um but I think of course, at that point, because there was less to go off of, it made you work a little bit harder at sure. it because you had to really figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, like it just it stayed with me throughout my whole life. There was never a moment where like I didn't want to do this anymore. I went back and forth with rapping and seeing and I okay. had a group and doing that because I didn't really get my own equipment until '97. So at that point, I would have to borrow a friend's equipment, make a little mixtape. But you're
2: playing gigs and stuff.
1: Wasn't really playing any gigs. Like I would just we did house just parties like, for yeah. friends. I mean, this didn't yeah. really become a money-making opportunity, you know, until way later on in life. I mean, at least six, seven, eight years later. Mm-hmm. You know, up until that point, all throughout my 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 high high school years, or '94 to '97 making a mixtape and dubbing it as many times as you could and selling it was probably the glory, the yeah. most of the glory that I was going to get, which was amazing for me. Sure. Because it wasn't really costing me anything and it right. was just enough validation that you felt like you were where you belong. Yeah. Because a lot of people in, in, in that time, if you were in hip hop culture, you had to find a place to fit in. Mm-hmm. If you didn't break, if you didn't do graffiti and if you didn't rhyme, there was only one other place for you to go. Right. And uh, I really wasn't great at graffiti. The emceeing thing worked well for me. And I think a lot of people thought I was going to get a record deal and pursue that. Mm. But when I came to the fork in the road, I don't know, just the, 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 the DJing felt like a better choice. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and then I got here, you know? Hey, was there, Was there anyone, like, mentoring you in those early days? Like... No, I mean, that, that, you know, the, the beauty
1: of it was, like, you kind of had to police yourself. Yeah. And I, I would, you know, I'd put myself in any predicament, any situation to be around someone who would be influential, in my eyes, to this. Uh, but it wasn't easy to get to, because at yeah. that point, you're a teenager. So, right. you're still not really welcome in any of the nightlife stuff. Sure. And... Internet really wasn't a thing. So you couldn't just hop online and soak up all the information you can get. You had to go to it and find it in person. Mm -hmm. So Jay Jay Ski ran like those dudes. I would really go hunt down if they were doing a live broadcast from a parking lot someplace. Yeah. Just to be able to watch and see what I was supposed to look like or sound like or what I was supposed to carry records in or, you know, flight cases and just everything. Mm hmm. Uh, oddly enough, though, a lot of people from that, that generation taught themselves. Right. The schooling aspect of it really didn't become a thing until much later on, or at least like instructional video, uh, which I think helped some of us, but also seeing now if I had that back then, I probably would have picked it up so much quicker if there was somebody literally breaking it down for me. Sure and like instructing me how to do this that and you know versus me having to just try to like put it in my head and then figure it out and then try to make it become
2: an actual thing you know yeah 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 i've thought about that i mean i know there's like you know now there's dj schools yeah. and online classes and all that stuff and you know there's sometimes there's a reaction of like well They're making it too easy for people yeah for sure i mean
1: i think with almost anything now easy is 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 more common than not you know learning how to take a great photo or shoot a good video it's way easier than it was then or you know even recording a podcast and having like official sound Mm -hmm. you know or making music and not having to be in a studio or you know yeah of course it's all easy the only thing that I think really helps is that because it's so easy, it's easy to get in and get out. Right. You don't really have to invest much anymore. You know, when you wanted to learn how to be a a DJ, you had to find equipment. You had to invest money. It was not cheap. You had to buy records. You couldn't just buy one. You had to buy two. Right. You had to buy needles. Like you had to buy all these things and then you had to learn. Right. So there was a lot... Sure. You know, you had to put into it. It wasn't just like a hobby you would jump in and jump out of. I think the investment was greater. Therefore, the love had to be greater. Therefore, you know, your attention span for it lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, these days, everyone has a computer. So that's not even really a purchase that needs to be made. And you can just get a controller, mm-hmm. dabble around a few months, decide you don't like it anymore. Right. You know, for me... You know, this is 20 some years in, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think I would have done that if I, if it
2: came to me that easy. So I know you're like, you, I know you come across a lot of younger DJs. I know you're involved in Red Bull 3 style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is, is the art form getting better?
1: I mean, on one side, yes. When you look at DMC. Mm -hmm. There's some dudes that are just, it's mind-blowing, you know, uh, what they can do. Partly because of the advancements of all the things around them, including being able to piece a waveform together that has all the elements you need it to have. Uh, And then there's, like, this huge gap, and then it's, like, the beginning Mm -hmm. where it's not great. Right. But at the same time, you know, I had to, it took me maybe seven seven years of just being in my crib screwing around before I got to my first gig.
2: Right.
1: Now there's people that don't even wait seven months. So I think the bar is very low mm-hmm. for the entry level, mm-hmm. but the ceiling has got pushed so has much it? higher. Okay. Um, I think with anything, of course, now, because there's more people in it than there was before, you're going to see it's a little bit diluted, yeah. you know what I mean? But I think at the same time, all the talented people and the people that really have an appreciation for the culture kind of like come out the woodworks and they bond together. Right. Because of course you don't want to be surrounded with something that's not inspiring for you. No matter what level you are, you still need to be inspired. So yeah. So it, where, does... where
2: do you find inspiration now?
1: A lot of my peers that I find are dope, you know, I have to look to them. Mm -hmm. The guys that I still looked up to when I was younger, I still look up to them, of course, because, you know, the ones that have stayed relevant know that they have to look into the newer generation and find who's dope in order for them to continue to be dope, you know? So it's just, you have to build a network of, of, of artists that you find... Are doing great things yeah. in order for you to continue to stay on the cutting edge of it you know it's not easy yeah but at the same time like i think if you put a little bit of time in if that's what you're looking for it's 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 there it's mm-hmm.
2: easier than it's ever been for you to find it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so backing up for a second do you um was there a, was there like a first break or a moment when you realized that uh that you could do this for a living
1: there was a leap that I took, which was when I quit my job, and I remember having this like this very difficult discussion with myself whether or not, if I quit this job at the mall, will I be able to, to, to do this? Will I, I be able job? to make, it? I was working at this leather jacket store okay. in Franklin Mills yeah. in Philly. It was like my last job that I've ever had. And that was in 99. And, uh, you know, I wasn't making a crazy amount of money, but I worked all week long and, you know, but I was spinning too. So I would, you know, at this point I'm working three, four nights doing mixtapes as well. And I'm generating money from that side and I'm working the job at the mall and it's, and I was going to college at the time, but I dropped out of college and that really wasn't that big of a deal. But at the same time, I had to say, okay, like this job is interfering with me being able to do what I love. After going back and forth and back and and forth, I decided to take the leap. I quit the job and just pursued DJing as a full-time thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, like my parents couldn't figure it out because it's not real money to them at that point. And you know, we're getting paid cash every night. It's not a crazy amount of money, but it's more than most people make. I mean, it's a week's worth of money for someone working a full-time job at that time in one night. And you do that three, four times a week. You're making a month worth of money in a week. But it's cash money. I don't have a bank account. I'm living right. at home. I'm blowing it on sneakers and gold chains and rims for a car. Everything you could you know, do with quick that's, quick money at the time. Yeah, yeah that's, And I that's fought with did. my parents for the longest about, like, no, nah, this is legit. You know, my parents are like, you got to go to college if you want to do something,
2: right.
1: you know, serious. And, you know, I wanted to get into radio, and they were fighting me. I needed to have a degree, and then I mm. got on radio, and I had that moment of being like, I told you even though you know it, it it really it was just it was i think they were just happy things were going well
2: yeah uh
1: there wasn't a defining moment but that was definitely the moment where i said okay i'm going to put my my faith in this okay let's see where it goes yeah and i rolled for a few years doing well and then i remember losing a bunch of gigs in a week just club closed something happened mm-hmm. and i had to you know I, I couldn't find any more work at the time and i was at the point where i had to go maybe look for a job again. It was very defeating. You know what I mean? Like, damn, this is not going to work. My parents are going to give me the worst time of I told you so. Right. And I took this job for three days in this eyeglass factory, like, making the lenses. Wow. It, was, it was awful. It was just, like, high-speed conveyor belt, like, Laverne and Shirley type uh, thing. You know uh, what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> for all the young people that don't know what Laverne and Shirley is. Um, <laughs> and I worked three days, and it was awful. And... I wound up getting work again, and I just quit without even like thinking about. it. I was like, I can't do do this. I'm out. I have to yeah. go back on tour or something like that. I gave him an excuse. I dipped. I never had to work another job again, you know. And uh, every year that you get through, at least for me, is a huge accomplishment, like a notch on the belt of uh-huh. I made it another year of just doing this and making a decent living. Yeah. Um, but there's no security, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You asked me, you know, how how's the year going when we first started talking, and year's going good, but that doesn't mean it's going to stay good. Of course. And, you know, there were years where the beginning of the year is awful, and yeah. you're kind of, like, just, like, scraping the bottom until maybe March, and then it picks back up again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all definitely been a blessing to be able – to still do what I love and still be in love with it and make money off of it enough that I can, you know, take care of myself and yeah. take care of some of the people around me if I need to, you yeah. know, I hope it never ends. I don't want it to end. And of I course. work as much as I possibly can to make sure that it doesn't. But at the same time, I feel like you as an artist only control maybe at best 50% of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to the
2: people and just sure. life itself of what's going to happen. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because I think, I mean, I, I've had this conversation maybe hundreds of times that I think, you know, job security is a complete fallacy. Absolutely. In every yeah. sense, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just that, you know, in we're tied to this notion from the past, uh, whenever America used to be great, that uh, that like you'd get a job and you're set you're taken care of for life and and the company or the government or whoever is going to see to you. And and that's not true. And so I think that people like us who unknowingly or not have kind of embraced that yeah, and just said, okay, this is the way we're going to live.
1: One of the best things so far was that I was able to see that at a young age. My parents, of course, middle class, got a job 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. just stuck with that job, never looked Mm -hmm. for anything else. They got comfy, like most people.
2: I mean, I used to work.
1: And you just ride that work out, you know, until you get to the retirement age. And I saw early on that there really wasn't security. No matter how secure you thought you were, there was none. People that I went to school with, that went to college, got a degree were working in furniture stores that I was coming, spending my money in to buy furniture because I still had a job and they couldn't find a job. You know what I mean? And all throughout my life, I've seen this pattern over and over again. People, you know, they climb the ladder, but so far the job decides they don't want to pay you what you've earned. Mm -hmm. They're going to hire someone younger, you get cut. Now you got to start all over again. And all throughout that, I just constantly worked, Mm -hmm. you know? Still doing what I love. Of course, the pay scale shifts from time to time, and you know, it's still, for lack of a better term, it's still going to be a grind, no matter what level you are. I mean, even Always. the 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 most successful is still trying to get to another place, and that's yeah. what I tell anyone that reaches out. That's you know, I wish I could be doing what you're doing. I want to do what you like. We're all trying to get someplace else. No mm-hmm. one should ever be comfy of like, yo, I don't need to do any more. I'm good. I'm just gonna coast this out. You know. Okay. And, of course, like you get these people that are still stuck on that old way of thinking of like, when are you going to retire? How long can you do this for? People like us, we don't work for retirement. It's not really work. I don't want to retire. If I right. could play and be in a club and, and people still enjoy themselves at 60, 65, I would love to. At least that's the way I feel now mm-hmm. because I still enjoy what I do. And, and it, you know, it's, it's entertaining people and seeing them have a good time. I don't want that to end, you know? Right. So, uh, of course, you want to be more responsible now, being a little bit older with your money and not buy as many gold chains <laughs> and sneakers and rims and all this other stuff. And you have to be prepared for when you're older, but at the same time, I don't I don't want to have to think about retirement yeah. and do nothing all day long, you yeah, know? Yeah. My dad retires. It's boring. Yeah. Like, he has nothing to do. Where I'm like, yo, you need to go get another job or something. Like, sure. just go find something to do, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it, the, the job security thing, I think, is an old way of thinking. Yeah. But if you are into something that leads you to college to get a degree, by all means, do it. You know, go go pursue whatever it is you want to do. I dropped out of college quickly. I sat. I met a really good friend I'm still friends with today who was interning for one of the, the heads of, like, Urban Radio or whatever at BMG. Mm-hmm. And we would cut class, hop on the bus, go to New York, hit all the record labels, gather a bunch of records, meet all the people. And uh, we would do that, like, every week. Yeah. And we started throwing parties and stuff like that. And that was the best thing that came from me being in college at at that time. That and a girl that I was dating, that we we cut class a lot. That that was (laughs) awesome, too. But uh, I remember sitting in class. I don't remember the class. But something about we had to bring a potato. And they wanted us to do something with this potato. And that was the moment I walked out. Okay. I was just like, F, F this. I'm cool. Like, this is not for for me. Told my parents. They were not happy because I was the first person in my family to go to college. Mm. But I really didn't know what I wanted to be. Like everybody else, well, not like everybody, but like a lot of people, you're just trying to figure out what's going to pay you the most money, you know? Do I go into some kind of, like, physical therapy, medical thing that's going to give me this? Do I do business? There was nothing I wanted to be. All throughout my life, the music thing is what I wanted to be no matter what. Mm -hmm. I didn't want a plan B. I felt like if I chose... A backup plan I wasn't going to take it as seriously and I wasn't going to push for it as much because I knew there was a safety net under me the whole time right you know whereas not having the net it was like this has to
2: work out yo if you're liking these Philly stories let's stay on the Philly theme and go back in the rebel radio archives go check out I had actually two interviews with Victor Duplay. Victor is a DJ, producer, artist, uh, multi-talented individual, uh, also from Philly, also living in LA and had had uh, so many good stories to tell. We had to split it into two episodes. So you can go back and check that one out. But of course, I want you to finish up here with DJ XL first. So if you were advising, you know, if you were speaking at a college yeah whatever is that what you would tell
1: uh y- young people well i think if me answering this question i probably will not be speaking at any <laughs> colleges cuz it's not great for a college to have somebody tell them i don't mean the dropout part
2: but i mean like the safety net thing
1: i i think i think you know the way i think about it is is a common thought for more people where it's choose what you love yeah. you know don't choose the money. And it's not that I come from money. I don't come from any money. So I can't say that because I know I'm Mm -hmm. good. It's just that, you know, someone posted this chart of like the lifespan of a person. And it shows you like zero to 20, 20 to 60, 60 to 80. And a lot of your life is spent, a good portion of your life is spent working. For sure. And the idea of, you know, I, I see people, parents, friends that have these jobs that, you know, long for the weekends and long for the vacation because they're just not happy in what they do, it just doesn't make sense. So if you're in college and if there's something you want to be, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something, at least love it to the point Mm -hmm. that you're not longing for the weekend when you're not there or for the vacation. If you're not, if you don't have something, then you don't belong there. Yeah. Or you're just getting a degree in something that's just for you to say you have a degree in uh, or you want to be in like a fraternity or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh Which is totally cool if that's what you're into. Right, right, right. You know, I also see a lot of my younger cousins that went to college for things that have these um, incredible student loans that would just give me, you know, an anxiety attack to the max. Having to start life with $100,000 in debt. Yeah. And there's no way around that. That that money's coming out of whatever your check is. And then at that point, it's holding you back from living because you can't really do anything until mm-hmm. you knock that loan down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and hoping that you get a job that's going to give you enough money that you can go do that, you know, pay that loan down and then yeah. do a little bit. So, you know, I, I definitely don't regret any of that. And I don't think college is a bad thing at all. It's just that, you know, I think for creative and artistic people that, don't necessarily need a degree to get by. I think that's where you have to take a look. You know, for me, my parents felt that I needed a degree to do anything serious in music. And I mean, even though getting hired on the radio wasn't the answer to all of that, it was enough for me to be like, "Yo, I don't need. I don't need this degree. Like what you right. thought I needed a degree yeah, before, for, sure. I don't." For sure. I have a friend who I went to school with who is very artistic in graphic, drawing, computer, that whole world. And he went to college. He went to like Art Institute to get a degree. He didn't need it for his skill. He needed it because the jobs that he needed to get wouldn't hire him without having a degree. So for him, it was like, all right, I just need to go do this. And he he still does what he loves, and it's easy work now. He's making a great living just, Mm -hmm. you know, Doing whatever he was doing when we were younger. I mean, he would do all, all my mixtape covers, graphics, business God, cards, cool. whatever the case is. And yeah. now he like designs buttons for apps and shit. Like, yeah. it's, it's stupid. But he makes a great living off of doing it. He needed the degree to get that job, yeah. you know? Yeah. So thankfully, I haven't really been in a place where a degree matters. And if I had to go back to college, I don't know what I would do. Because it's just, I'm just not there, Teach. man. Yeah, for real. For I would love yeah, if I could teach and get like a PhD or something just to be on that that level, that would be great. Or if I could get like an honorary degree, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like me taking classes, oh my god, nah. Yeah. I'm no, there. No, yeah. oh, I'm just not
2: there, man. I feel you. Yeah. So so, uh, you know, thinking about that, like you were talking earlier about how um, technology and and just access, everything's easier. Yeah. So how do you? I don't know if you do have this conversation, but how how do you or would you tell it like a DJ starting out today? Why should they work as hard as you did? Well, see, that's
1: that's the the that's the problem is they have to work harder than I did. How do you mean? Well, now you know when I started, you only had to do a portion of what I have to do now, mm. you know? You didn't have to worry about branding. You didn't have to worry about social media. You didn't have to worry about anything else other than making sure you had the records. Right. Making sure you were at the club on time, you know? Uh, making yeah. a mixtape was probably the only, like, extra production cost you had to do. Yeah. And even then, like, you could sell those. You know, you were making money. You got that money back. Right. This today is a full-fledged business. It's Crystal Geyser over San Bened- ben- Benedetto water, you right. know? Right, Why am I going to buy this one, even though I didn't know this was here, but why right. am I going to buy this one over this one? I have to run this full brand now. I'm running a soda brand. I'm running a phone brand. Like You know, I, it's so much harder, and there's so many more people, and even though... You can put the music out so much easier. There's so much more content to have to sift through. So at this point, the beginning, in my opinion, is much harder Mm. than it was back then. For people like me, the hard part for some of us was understanding that we had to modify our business sense some of those guys couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and as much as I would try to help as many of my friends as I possibly could, social media has to be done in a certain way. The images have to look a certain way. They have to be presented in a certain way. It's so much more to think about,
2: you know. When you think about that, and the, the DJs that you respect, yeah, who's done the best job of that?
1: I think Jeff, of course, has a very, he absolutely has his finger on the pulse. He understood early on, I have to do all this con- content to be able to stay relevant, to be desirable to other people, even though his name is probably an easier sell than most.
2: Um Yeah, but he could have kind of faded away and just been the 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 DJ that only DJs know about like that kind of thing, right? But he didn't. He could have, but
1: at the same time like he would be cheating himself if yeah, he yeah. did. I yeah. mean, the idea for him just like everyone else is brand awareness right. and to be able to increase your worth. In order to do that today, in my opinion, what we do on the set of turntables for that set isn't the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It's all the other stuff that already solidified the deal before you got there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once you get to the decks, I mean, there's so much more that has to be done, handshaking and right. political type stuff. Getting to the decks and once you get to play, that's the easy part of the night, yeah. you know? That's the part you've had down all the other stuff you know sure. you'd be surprised how hard it is for people to navigate all the other things that need to be done I mean it's the same way like I grew up with guys who were amazing like mind-blowing on a set of turntables but never really were able to get out of that local right. scene yeah. because you have to do all these other things that keep you in the forefront of people's minds when you're trying to get booked yeah you know uh Jeff is a good example. I'm trying to think of other people that I would... I mean, a lot of the guys that I would think of had to look at other avenues to then come back around, you like know? Who? Well, when... All right, so if you look at, you know, someone like A-Track, a, a, a track, per yeah. se, he had to kind of take a different direction, mm-hmm. you know? The tour D, DJ worked for him, but if he didn't pursue production electronic music and all those other things i don't know where he would be i don't know if he knows where he where he would be right you know he had to take a maybe a sidestep yeah from all the things that he was doing prior to to be able to still stay at a a, a higher level of you know the d d dj world versus I don't know, guys that he grew up with, Clever, Craze, or someone like that. Mm -hmm. Clever had to go in his own way. He had to get out of what he was doing originally and take on not necessarily a different persona, but uh, just modified, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. uh, Craze still kind of stayed in his lane, but, you know, he was able to be happy there. Yeah. Now, whether or not he stepped out of it and did something else, would it have put him in a different place? I don't know, you know, but everyone, I think, came to a point where doing what they were doing prior to just wasn't enough.
2: Yeah. So for,
1: for all this, what's the hardest part of your job? The hardest part of the job at the moment is all the other things, you know, the the things that I think people don't see as being part of the job. The travel, as you become, as as you get older, becomes tough. Yeah. There's no way around it. You're yeah. jet jet lag, mm-hmm. staying healthy, making flights to get you know, first flight out in the morning, staying up all night, first flight out the next next morning. Yeah, it's not, it's not a complaint for me, mm-hmm. but that's where it becomes more of a. Uh, strategic planning on how to be able to perform at your best level when you get to the club that night. Yeah. You know, uh, luckily for me, I've never really overindulged in the drinking or the drugs or anything. So I've, that doesn't interfere. Right. But just staying healthy, you know what I mean? Like there's no excuse you're going to be able to give when you show up, you're, you're not feeling well and you can't play to the best ability, you know, uh, Outside of that, the social media and the branding isn't the hard part. But I will say, for just being the DJ and not the producer, generating a significant fan base seems to be difficult yeah. for guys like us. Yeah. It seems like you know the higher-paid, more desirable talent are producers who spin. Yeah, uh, then. You know, they have fans. There's people that will flock to go see them. The DJs don't seem to get that same response. Mm -hmm. And it becomes harder, of course, for all of us to continue to market ourselves and generate worth. Because at the end of the day, if a club's going to pay to fly you in and all this other stuff, they have to feel that that money they're investing, they're going to make a return on. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a little tricky, and I feel like everyone's looking at everyone else to figure out what can we do, because mm-hmm. one person can put out a song and tour a whole year. A DJ can put out a mixtape, and it does nothing, right. you know what I mean? It's just yeah. something all the, the homies listen to, and it's right. like, yo, this is cool, but you're not getting a gig off of that mixtape. Right. So I think that's that's where it's difficult. I think that's where a lot of us are just trying to figure out, how do we make something stick? So I noticed you you produce under other names. I have, Um, I don't know why I I I did that. I thought maybe like it would just be fresh if I did it under a different name. Uh, I think maybe there would be a curiosity, but then of course I would promote it under my own
2: name. So then there was no curiosity. I mean, I have a lot of friends that have done it that way, and I think you know, I think it's kind of an old school way of thinking, right? That that you know. I
1: think for me, I felt less. Liable if it was whack. Mm. You know okay. what I mean? I think it was me just trying That's to cover that my net ass. Coming yeah. Back. yeah, which was a bad choice. Uh, not really a bad choice. It just wasn't, it didn't follow suit with all the other things I did. Right. But the production thing, I've never really felt great about.
2: Yeah.
1: I think I felt that as much as I like to produce, I hate to produce. Mm. I hate sitting in front of the computer for hours on end and just like, tediously working through sounds yeah to the point that when the song is done i just i don't even want to hear it anymore yeah. and if it wasn't for people showing positive response back i don't even know if i would be able to tell you if i thought it was good yeah. because by the time it was done i was just like yeah, oh yeah. this is awful you know yeah. and i think going under a different name just gave me like a, a little bit of just like i can dodge it if it wasn't you uh-huh. know, if it wasn't good, it's was like oh, I it was just experimental. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it worked out, and I still mess around with production, but I don't. I don't crack the computer open mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. just to produce.
2: I mean, that's a really valuable thing to learn about. Yeah, yourself, right? Because you know, it's almost like you know, if you if you don't enjoy that process, and you know, the worst thing is it does really well, and then you're like, okay, now I got to do this. All the time. You know, the thing is, you feel, for
1: me at least, like you feel backed into a corner. If I don't produce, am I I cutting my nose to spite my face? If I don't produce music, am I not going to be able to spin anymore? You know, because or am I just going to chop my career in half because, you know, obviously the production is what people are able to market themselves under. So now it's like, okay, well... I'm not producing because I want to produce. I'm producing because I want to be able to continue to work. Whereas there's guys that genuinely love to produce. They love everything about it, you know? So then there's that side of it. And then...
2: But that's back to what you were saying originally, like, do what you love.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. But you're also... You're torn because, you know, doing what I love seems at one point that it's becoming non-existent if you don't do the other thing. Right. So now you're just like, okay, and now a lot of guys got into producing for the same reason yeah, yeah. because it's like, if we don't do this, me mixing and me putting out mixtapes and live sets and all this shit is not enough. Yeah. So now it's like, we have to produce. Some mm-hmm. people just make crappy music. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, some people, the things align and you get stuff that's 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 dope. For me, a lot of the stuff that I made didn't even work in the sets that I was playing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even really helping me in that, in, in, in that sense, right. it created a different fan base for people, uh, and it was cool to just see it out. And Did you ever perform under those names? We've done a couple of gigs under those names before, uh, but again, now, now you're starting from the beginning right. yeah, in yeah. a different field, and, a, a, yeah. and if you're going to produce a certain kind of music, like we chose house music. <laughs> Yeah, stuff that we kind of grew up on, just soulful.
2: That's the sample. alpha. pair. parade. Yeah, it's okay. a alpha pair. So. Alpha pair. Yeah. Okay.
1: chose that because that was stuff that didn't really feel trendy to us didn't feel like we were just jumping on twerk music or trap music or whatever was going on at the time it was something that it was relatable to who we were as people but then of course you're not just going to make music and jump into someone else's field you have to really like work the angles and those dudes they want to make sure that you're legit at what you're doing it's not just super easy to just make this music, throw it in, and then you start to see how political that side of it is, and that music you see on the charts are paid for, and it becomes like an investment. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, this is not really what we wanted to do. (laughs) Like, we just wanted to make music and be able to keep spinning, you know? So after, like, working a bunch of records and and just getting all the ideas I had in the computer out, we're like, all right, let's just chill on this for a little while. Let's, Let's get back to spinning, and... You know, it's it's been I've been able to do that because the DJing side of it stays busy. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, there's ideas that I come up with from time to time. But as far as the production, I mean, I feel like I, I, I'm I shouldn't I shouldn't work one foot in and one foot out. And yeah. if there's not something presented to me, if there's not a job presented to me. For production, then I'm not going to work for it. I'm not going to work the same way. Like, if you give me a task and say, look, we need you to produce six songs. This is what we want. I can go home today, sit in front of the computer, and I have a goal that I'm working towards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're just like, yo, just crack the computer open every day and make a beat. This is like, oh, man. This is like learning code. Right. You know? Like, I'm going to try to copy and paste as much as I possibly can because I just don't want to do it. It's not why I got into it from the very beginning. I like that I know how to do it. Yeah, if I want to, I just haven't found something to put me there to, to want to do it every day. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. All right, I got to get to a uh, to a lightning round. Nice. Um, oh. one question first. Okay. Uh, I always do this, and James gives me shit about it. Mm-hmm. I always forget a last question. Okay. Um, so I know you have the Scratch Mechanics crew. Yeah. Why does, How does being part of a crew help you, and, and how did you know when you had found the right guys? So, all those guys, uh, we all grew up around each other,
1: and some of us were peers. Who's, who's the crew? Uh, so, J-Ski, Question, uh, Adam Bomb, Active, J-1, B, uh, Impulse, Roams... Um, Elixir, Spinbad, Av. That's deep. It's a pretty deep crew. Yeah, but they're all peers, and 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 some of some of those guys were around before us, and everyone was very like minded. Um, and Philly wasn't really known for crew. like crews that work together. Yeah. And I think early on there was a common thought of we could get more done if. We all had similar goals if we just attacked it as a crew, you know, versus doing it separately. Everyone was working and, you know, it it was inspiration being around each other, learning different scratches or styles of playing or someone had a bunch of good music here that one other person wasn't up on or someone else had opportunities that were coming to them that they were able to share or even being in the clubs and being able to create. A uh, like a household name that there was trust behind that if I couldn't do a gig, I would be able to just bring one of the other crew members in and fill the gig, and I'd be able to go do another gig. And there was never a question of if they would be able to do the job. Sure. Uh, it just made sense, uh-huh. you know? And it's great to see all those guys still working, still pursuing what they specifically love and their walks of life and how they all kind of still cross paths throughout, you know, 18 years later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But if, you know, if, if, I mean, I asked Ski first. If Jay Ski would have said no, I don't know if we would have pursued it any further. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, there was always thought about, like, bringing more people in, but then it just got real tricky, you know, adding more people or certain people had certain issues with other people. And it right, just right, became, right. Sure. it was just like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, this is, this like is too, this comment. is too hectic. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't supposed to be that way. It's just supposed to be fun and a bunch of friends yeah. working towards a similar goal. And how can we help each other out? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. So tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Moving
1: to California. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of things now, looking back, wouldn't have took place if I stayed in Philadelphia. I mean, we wouldn't be having this discussion if I stayed in sure. Philly. Uh, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I had to make at the time, because it felt like I was moving to Russia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, leaving, I felt like,
2: oh my god, was I'm that, never going to Was that s- the two choices? LA, yeah. Russia? Yeah, it was like, if I don't go here, I'm going to have to go to Russia. <laughs> uh,
1: there really wasn't another choice. Yeah. Philadelphia is a city where you become very attached to. And that's not a bad thing, but then it can be if what you want to do for your career uh, needs you to go someplace else. And right. you feel like you owe it to the city to stay. Hmm. And that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're I don't know, like you're, you're not giving proper respect if you leave. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that it was actually the other way around. I was kind of cheating this city if I didn't leave mm. and push what I've been pushing for as far as I possibly can. It's not like I've forgotten where I'm from or I you know, don't mention sure. that I'm, I'm there or I don't even go back home and play. I mean, I do all those things. Right. And not only do I do those things, I try to push any one of my friends that's still back there to do the same thing. Like, if you feel that you're stuck here and you can't get what you need here, it's time for you to look someplace else. You can always come back home. But it felt like I was never going to see these people ever again, you know? And I saw everybody and I kept in touch. I didn't lose any friends. Everything is fine. (laughs) It was really hard. And then when I got here, uh, you know, I, I, I moved because a friend of mine just kept pushing me. Like, you have to leave. You have to get out of here. And, uh, was just like, yo, I have enough work that once you get here, you'll be good. And of course, I get here, and all of that goes to shit. you know. And now I got to start from the very beginning. And at 29, you know, leaving, being at the top tier, at least in my opinion, of my world in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. with as much security as I can possibly accumulate in this world, I left all of that and then i started at the at the bottom yeah to the point that like i knew people here they could not get me work for anything i mean friends of mine would just say come to the club we'll just put you on and the moment whoever saw that it wasn't that person it didn't matter what i was doing right. i could have been making mixed drinks and mixing the records And, you know, projecting images on the wall. They were not having it. You have to get off. No, get get him off, you know. And it's humbling because at this point you're like, come on, like seriously? Right. And that happened for a a while, you know. And you start to like second guess yourself, of course. And, you know, am I just on my own shit? Do I think I'm better than what I am or whatever? And none of that mattered. It had nothing to do with that at all. It's just, you know, people are familiar with who they're familiar with. And that's what matters. And uh, and I just had to play play my part, you know? I didn't come in very pushy. I didn't mm-hmm. want to, like, you know, make people feel like I was coming to take work from them because I wasn't, and it wasn't really that I wanted to become the local guy here at all. I just needed exposure and opportunity for what I've been doing to get to other places. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely the biggest decision, the best decision, uh, not only just for music, but just for life in itself. i just a way of thinking towards life and the positives and negatives that happen, people that I've met throughout the time that I've been here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I would be able to do this as a career if I stayed in Philly. And that is scary. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, I don't want to ever have to look at this as a past tense life. Of course. Yeah.
2: Okay. Complete this sentence. I don't
1: have talent. I have blank. Yeah. I don't have talent. I have love for sure, because it's the love of, of of everything that this culture brings yeah. that has kept me still excited to talk about it, yeah. to record a set, to to play, to travel to a city, to travel to a club. Like, yeah, if I didn't love it, I, I would have just wiped my hands and did something else started a clothing line or something like that you know
2: so uh if i worked for you if i was on your your team management or whatever uh what's something i would hear you say over and over (laughs) that's funny Uh,
1: (laughs) oh man uh like either what are you gonna do Uh or uh fuck it yeah because I feel like at that point you have certain things that you don't control. Yeah. There's enough negatives that go around and the what are you going to do or the fuck it mentality is like just leave it, let's move on to the next next mm-hmm. thing. Let's not, mm-hmm. you know, let's not dwell on the negatives, you know? I think that's the one thing being in this business, the negatives outweigh everything else there's so many more negatives that happen that if you let those weigh you down it just it it messes up your whole mentality looking forward so at that point it's like don't stress on it let's just move on to the next next thing you Mm -hmm. know
2: who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work someone not in music you know Uh.
1: like president Obama or something like that. Okay. You know, it, I think it would be really cool yeah. for me at, at, at this point, you know, of course, any fan is a great fan. Uh, but to learn it's someone who you wouldn't expect listened to your music, right. uh, or, or someone that isn't actually in the culture at all and just gets enjoyment out of something you've put out Mm -hmm. whether it's a song or a mix or they work out to it or they play it at a dinner party or something like that yeah Yeah. I think something like that would be really cool I had a chance I got vetted to go play at the White House and that was probably a hard thing for a lot of us yeah uh because if you have like unpaid child support or something like that like you can't get the gig right um and I got asked twice to play and it just didn't work out and that's probably...
2: That's exciting. Yeah,
1: but it's a bummer that I didn't get to do it. Sure. Yeah. But Hope, yeah,
2: yeah. Hopefully there'll be another president worth playing for. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, that was the funny thing, too. Then once once the election happened, the question got asked to everybody, yeah, you know, yeah. would you play? Yeah. How much would you need to play? And I think a lot of people were divided in yeah. like, well, if they paid me this much money, I'm, I'm going to go play. I just don't need to talk about right, it. Right, right, right. The other side is like, nah, I'm cool. No, like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to be in the yeah. mix. I think with The Last President, that was the first time it was exciting. Mm-hmm. We were like, yo, I want to, yeah, t- yeah, I yeah. want to take this gig. Yeah. You know, I remember getting asked to do the gig and it didn't pay well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a well-paying gig by any means. It's and, a government job. And, uh, and really, the the biggest thing was the photo. You right. can't guarantee me the photo? Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm cool. Because <laughs> I don't even care about the party. Right. I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. tell you I played at the White House. Yeah. I can tell you it was amazing. If I don't get that photo, though, yeah, it course. didn't even happen. Of course. So at that point, it was just like,
2: yeah, I'm cool. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I know we talked about travel earlier. What, yeah. What's your favorite city to travel to? Oh, man. Uh, Tokyo
1: by far mm-hmm. is just. Uh, there's no the other best. place
2: like it, man. Yeah. You know, I I, I. I saw you were just in. You were just in Asia, right? I was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't
1: go to Tokyo this this time. I need to go soon. Yeah. Uh, but I've been a bunch of times, and uh, there's just no other place like it. Mainly because I agree. for me, their admiration for Americana yeah. and their dedication to, you know. Uh, Preserving what was great here, yeah. And if you enjoy that, as well as all the other Japanese culture that comes with it, sure. You're just in heaven, man. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. Yeah, no, it's a trip.
2: It's a trip seeing seeing the Japanese take on American culture in that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what's the like last, last great book you read? The last book I bought—this is
1: going to be funny too. The last book that I bought was Dianetics. Okay. Back in the '90s, not knowing what the book was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But I was like, I want to know about the world. I I want the secret to 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 the world. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't get past the seventh page. Is that right? I just didn't understand it. I'm sure. And I didn't even know what Scientology was or anything. Yeah. Uh, And I gave it to my friend,
2: and I don't think he was able to get past it. I okay. never read Dianetics, but uh, in the 80s, yeah. they used to like have people stand out on the street yeah. and be like, "Do you want to take a personality quiz?" Okay, it was, like this thing, and they yeah. would hand you a flyer. And one time, I, I'm like, "Whatever," you yeah. Know, I'm just looking at and a, and the questions were kind of interesting. Yeah. So I filled it out and I either mailed it in or I gave it to the girl on the street or yeah. whatever. And they called me. They must call me like 30 times. Wow. To, like, come in. Did you ever go? No, because I told my boss at the time. It was, like, on my way to work. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, stay away from that. I was like, <laughs> and and I was like, I have no, I mean, this was. It, yeah. I mean. It, it, like, you had no idea was. I had what no, it was. no clue. But I was, she told me that, and then, like, they just kept calling and calling. Yeah. So, by the time, by the eighth call or something, I was like, okay. And I
1: mean, I, I have dear friends that are sci- sci- Scientologists. Huh? Uh, they're great people. Uh, you know, I've never really question them on what got them there yeah i have Um, friends are sound jobs
2: yeah and and i I
1: don't have any judgment towards it i mean if it if if it put you in a better place and i guess it did what it was supposed to do
2: so we did uh one of my first jobs in industry was at loud records yeah okay and i was i was kind of a glorified intern but nice um uh, so were you working in New New York? No here. Oh, okay. So this was at the beginning of La- this was uh, the Madcap record. Yeah. If you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um and the uh whole kitten caboodle. This one's for the gods, the thugs, the niggas sell the dugs. Never hold a crunch, but I hate the marble butt. Yeah. At the Scientology Center, on it was either on Franklin or okay. Hollywood. It was this uh, all glass, yeah, yeah, that glass dome mm-hmm. building. And so we had to go to the to the they called it the Celebrity Center, yeah, yeah, to like book the space. And you know, again, you, you sort of only knew a little bit about what Scientology sure. was at the time, but we still knew it was like just something not for yeah, us, yeah, right? yeah. But they were like the nicest people, yeah. And we had, and the venue was amazing. And then we had this huge fight, so alcoholics got up on stage. And then like something happened, there was a fight. I wanna say it was Micah Nine was like fighting with some other dude in this all glass building. So I'm like, man, somebody's gonna throw a chair. Please do not break the glass, yeah. I was like, somebody's gonna throw a chair and like just break this building. And luckily none of that happened. Oh my God, uh, that's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so like I said, when I was in college, my homie intern under Mike Bowles, who mm-hmm. was the BMG like national mix show director or whatever. So we yeah. would be in the loud office and all that other stuff. Uh, it was really fun at that time, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause yeah, like yeah, you for sure. You know, just, it felt exciting. Yeah. It felt more personal. Yeah. Because if you Definitely. weren't there, you weren't involved. You didn't know about it. Right. Yeah. You know, now you don't have to be there anymore. You just see what everyone puts on their phone, and you're like, ah,
2: right. I saw it. It was cool. Yeah. totally. Yeah. So, okay, what movie have you seen the most in your life? Uh, either Back to the Future, uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future,
1: uh, Pulp Fiction,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Goodfellas, Yeah, I think those 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 are probably that's a, that's the, a good life. Yeah, I mean, those are probably the ones I've on like heavy rotation, seen that's a good the most. Life. Not by choice, but oh, like they're yeah, on. They you're like, I'm eh, just watching. Exactly. You know, uh, exactly. probably coming to America. Oh hell yeah! I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. We got a point. Cassius Clay was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, hey, I ain't saying Clay bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cash Clay once he changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What kind of shit is that?
0: Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right. To change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, goddammit, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali.
1: Any movie that you can quote that much, you just keep watching it, you know, over and over again. My
2: eight year old son just asked me if we could watch it again, coming to America. So good. It's great. It never gets old. Nah, it's the
1: best. But I love movies like that, and, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, adding to that collection of movies that you just enjoy watching over and over again. yeah, For sure. Yeah, hell yeah.
2: Who's your favorite DJ?
1: Hmm. Uh, Revolution is in the top, only because I don't know another DJ that works that hard to learn shit that he doesn't know. I mean, like, he just took a year and, like, perfected his bad hand. Just because I, I don't, I wouldn't work that hard. Incredible. You know what yeah. I mean. Like he would just do that. Yeah. Uh, he's even though he's eased up over the years, his like militant mindset towards the culture yeah. is just inspiring. Yeah. Um, my other favorite would be Jay Ski mm. uh, because. He's still he's been doing it way longer than me. He's still in love with it. He still plays at a hundred percent. I've never heard him phone it in. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all a little guilty of phoning it in from time to time. And I've never heard him do that. I've never heard him play at 60%, you know what mm-hmm. I mean Like he always just goes yeah. takes his time to work through all of the records, whether it's routines or you know just shit that he does. And he has this ability to scratch records on counts that no one else can find them
2: on. Okay.
1: And I've never heard anyone else really do that before. Records that start weird. Yeah. Slum Slum Village records and, you know, records that just don't start on the one. Yeah. He just drops them on beat all the time. It's so mind-blowing. Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a talent that I, I try to learn, but I have to, like, I start drooling. When I try to like listen to it and figure out where it is and he can just catch it. Wow. Yeah. I've That's also cool. watched him many a nights be in the club, talk to me, yeah. and find the next record and catch the record in the last like twenty seconds before it fades wow. out and never misses it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. That's those cool. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, like you're you know, Jeff. Jeff is always great to watch and, and more or less for Jeff I enjoy like just sitting And talking to him I've heard him play enough Mm -hmm. but just being able to pick his brain on life and just still being able to function in in this world and feel good at it because I know now that it gets harder as time goes on and 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 as you know he travels like no other person so you know to be able to travel like that and still perform I think is is something that's worth learning. Yeah,
2: no doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. No, man. thanks for having it. me, man. That was great. Hell yeah. Um, how does everybody find you online?
1: Uh Excelgram on IG, uh, DJXL.com is the website, uh, and if you just want to peek at some mixes, Mixcloud.com/slash/therealdjxl. Cool. Yeah, and everything else you can find. Too. Yeah. No, this has been fun, man. Hell
2: yeah. Same, brother. Great talking to you. Same, man. Yes, that was DJXL on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, leave us a comment. Hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net if you're one of those people that still uses Twitter. I guess sounds like now that um, politics are, are taking their effects, people are using Twitter again, I don't really know. But hit us on Twitter. We'll see what happens. Uh, you can get our Facebook page. You can find some videos on YouTube. And you can. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.